Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The National Football League suspended Buccaneers receiver Mike Evans for one game without pay for his role in the brawl with the Saints on Sunday. Evans has exercised his right to appeal. The Buccaneers host the Packers in week three. Here's quarterback Tom Brady reacting to the news that Evans, pending appeal, will miss the week three game. And the fact that Mike would come out there to defend me, I mean, it means everything in the world to me as a teammate and a friend. And Mike knows how I feel about him. So in the end, emotions are a part of sports. Sometimes they boil over and they obviously did yesterday. And it's a unfortunate circumstance. I don't think it deserved any type of suspension. Um, I think that's ridiculous. You know, hopefully we can move past it, get to a better place. And, you know, in the end, I appreciate Mike having my back. I know he'll learn from it. And he knows that we all have his back. Yeah, look, what else do we expect Tom Brady to say? Tom Brady stands to not have his favorite receiver available to him for a critical game against Aaron Rodgers. Bragging rights, playoff positioning, a victory or a loss that will echo into January. That could be the difference between one seed or not the one seed. Who knows? So Brady is going to support his guy because he wants his guy. And he still may have him. Evans could win the appeal. We've seen guys get suspended and win on appeal. It could happen. We'll find out in the next couple of days. There's an independent hearing officer hired jointly by the league and the union. It's either going to be Derek Brooks or James Thrash that handles this. So we'll see how it plays out. But I- I'm not surprised by what Brady said. Brady wants his best guy there. Brady's going to support his guy. Brady feels compelled to support his guy because it all happened because of, of a fight that Brady was involved in. Because Brady How dare Marshawn Lattimore disrespect the great and powerful Oz? Brady had to turn and kind of menace toward him. It really was great. We were talking about it yesterday. Brady doesn't even have to be held back. Brady can come at you and be like, look down at you. And and he doesn't have to worry because there's going to be other guys to come deal with you. It's great. He doesn't have to be held back. He's got all of his, all of his, his, 
teammates who are coming to take care of you. Yeah, no, he, he, he. I need to. I need to be able to do that. Yeah, you do. You need a personal protector at all times. Yeah, I know. You're right. It just, you know, it might be funny one day when one of those defenders actually just pushes Tom Brady instead of you know everybody having to stick up for him. But yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not surprised by Brady saying that. Certainly not. I'm not. I'm not surprised that Mike Evans got suspended for one game. We thought that could happen. We were watching it live on Sunday. You know, that was egregious. He wasn't even involved in the altercation. He came out of left field and got involved. Right? And then you added the fact that there's history to go along with it. To me, the worst and most egregious thing of all of it was that Marshawn Lattimore got kicked out of that football game. That, to me, was the worst call of all. Well, what, what did he do? You know, He told Tom Brady to stop complaining about wanting pass interference because that's how the fight started. Brady was 30 yards down the field yelling at the referee. And you know, Lattimore probably said, hey, up yours or go back, you baby, or whatever. Right? And then Leonard Fournette hits Lattimore in the face. So, yes, he's going to defend himself to a degree. And then he gets waylaid by Mike Evans. So I was more disappointed by that fact that Lattimore got kicked out of the game. That, to me, was not right. Um, But I'm not surprised Evans got suspended for a game here. We'll see where it goes. But, yeah, it's a hard time to lose him against the Packers this week. I think the history factored into the decision. Yeah to take Lattimore out of the game. That's all made by the league office now. There's the history between Evans and Lattimore. But it's more on Evans than Lattimore. I, I, the theory is every time the Saints and the Bucks play, not every time, but more often than not, Lattimore shuts down Evans. Right. And Evans, who is very cool and calm, yeah. he blows a gasket right. with Lattimore. It almost reminds me, remember the old Andre Johnson, Cortland, Finnegan oh yeah, I, I was on the sideline. I was on the sidelines for that one, right? <laughs> yes, that was. And and Andre Johnson was the calmest, coolest never... guy in the world. But something about Finnegan set him off, and that's the way Lattimore is with Evans. No, no, no question. You know, there's guys like that in the NFL. And Corlin Finnegan, you know, I was a, I got the the opportunity to be a teammate with him for two years, and. Yeah, he was the feistiest mofo you'd ever see in your life. <laughs> he really was, and he could get underneath anybody's skin. And in that game, too, it just I got to go down memory lane there because this is, I believe, 2009. Uh, might have been 2010. But, you know, like you said, Andre Johnson, soft-spoken, couldn't be a nicer guy. There was a little history, and it was just like a random run play. And Andre Johnson just said, I'm the hell with it. I'm just going to beat the crap out of the guy right here in the middle of the field. It was on the other side of the field. All of a sudden, I'm looking, and he's by our side. And I just bomb, bomb, bomb. And they're having – I mean, he just said, the hell with it. I'm going out of the game, but I'm going to beat the crap out of Cortland Finnegan. Uh, it was unbelievable. Well, yeah, it does seem like there's a little element there. And Lattimore definitely has given Evans issues, which I'm sure has frustrated Evans. And, and, it's, and it's not – it's funny because it happened a long time ago. Right. It's not funny – that it happens now because look, Evans is a big, strong guy. He is. He could have injured Marshawn Lattimore. He could. He. I mean, He's Lattimore five, doesn't see it coming. Right. It. It wasn't a blind side, but L- Lattimore was engaged was with Fournette, with Brady, and right. Fournette. Right. And 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 then here comes Evans with the two-handed shove and just flattens Lattimore. Lowered his shoulder, really. He could have seriously gotten injured. Yeah, no, he that could have. That's where Not I think Not quite the same as hitting a guy over the head with his own helmet, right. but that could have been a, that could have been an injury and you know what a lot of times the NFL's punishments are driven by the impact of the thing that results in discipline. If Lattimore gets injured, it's more than one game for Mike Evans. Oh, yeah, I would think so. You're right. You're right. That that went above and beyond. 
You know, one, hey, look, I think you're explaining it right where, you know, some, when things like ha- happen and it's face-to-face with the guy and, okay, now we can see each other and we're going to get into a little tussle here, that's one thing. But to just get, you know, your clock cleaned by somebody you're not even thinking of who gets a 15- to 20-yard running head start, lowers the left shoulder to hit him and chucks him to the ground, yeah, that's when you do get, you know, into that issue there. But, hey, th- those are two tough Alpha male pride ourselves on being the physical team on the field there. It got chippy. And then when I think you add in the Brady, you know, talking to the referee and Bruce Arians also involved in the conversation, which to me is still odd that Bruce is like shown on the sidelines more than Todd Bowles is, who's coaching the football team. That didn't, that, that just added as fuel to the fire that I, I don't quite understand in Tampa right now. Let's pivot to that. Let's hear a little bit from the two head coaches, the actual head coaches, not the senior advisor to Buccaneers general manager Jason Light. That would be Bruce Arians. Let's hear from Todd Bowles, the Bucks head coach, and Dennis Allen, the Saints head coach, on this issue of Arians still being on the sidelines, even though he's no longer on the coaching staff. Well, he's always upstairs. But they didn't have a box to give us this game, so everybody that was upstairs were downstairs. So Raymond James Stadium this week and, and on throughout the year, Jason, Bruce, and those guys will be upstairs. Is that Jason's always downstairs. Bruce is always upstairs. None, none of us, none of us are supposed to be, you know, in the white painted area. Um, that's generally not an issue unless you know you 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 know get in the way of one of the officials working the sideline, typically during the play. Um, so. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, um, you know, typically that's kind of an area that's been reserved for players and coaches, trainers. <laughs> you know, you know what I thought. He's being very tactful. I thought yesterday of a certain large-headed analyst getting knocked on his ass by a, an official at half, uh, during a, a Colts Chiefs playoff game a few years back <laughs> for being too close to the white stripe. But look at Arians. Look at him. Bruce, you're retired. Go home. Leave. You're retired. It's like the end of Ferris Bueller where he comes back out and says to the crowd, why are you still here? Yeah. Why are you still here, Bruce? You're either the coach or you're not. You're not the coach. And I understand it's a tough transition, but just go. Bye. Go, Bruce. Go. I suspect that if they did a poll of all a secret poll of all the Buccaneers players, coaches, and employees, it would come back. We would like Bruce to just leave. We, 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 Bruce, Bruce does not need to be around. We need to move on without him. If he's not going to be the coach, it's time to move on. But he can't help himself. And it's one thing to be on the sideline. Bench area. It's another thing to literally be on the sideline. When do we ever see someone who isn't the head coach on that white stripe walking up and down like he owns the thing? I couldn't believe that. I, I, I know. I, listen, I love Bruce Arians. I do. And I, I think his edginess and what he did there has, you know, brought a lot of good to Tampa Bay. He's really one of my favorite characters in the history of football. Great offensive hey, mind. It helped him on Sunday. It helped him. It, that's what I mean. I mean. I, he gives them a little edge that way. That's, that's where, you know, he's a little different than Todd Bowles that way. Todd Bowles is always calm, cool, and collect. But – I will say the optics are weird. As much as I love Bruce Arians and the fact that he can help himself, that he is like, damn, I'm still part of the Buccaneers and, you know, hey, F you referee and F you Saints and he wants to get in the scrum. I I love that. I do. I love it. 
But it doesn't change the fact that it, the optics are weird. And I even said this. I I, I don't know if you heard me because I know you can hear some of what we're saying in the in the room. But before this fight broke out, when we were watching the game on Sunday, I just said, yep. man, I think it's weird that they've shown Bruce Arians more than they've shown Todd Bowles so far during this football game. So that was weird to me. And then, you know, with Todd Bowles saying, too, like, Wait, they didn't have a box to give us that, that that's there's no way. There's it's no baloney. way. It's, it's not like they now, weren't right. It's not like the the Saints were like, oh wait, we we forgot the Bucks are coming this weekend. Wait, we usually give the opposing team personnel a box or places to sit, but oh we forgot we had a game. We didn't we didn't do anything for them this weekend. That is some BS there. That's a challenge flag there. Uh that that you know, I can't I can't buy that. There was an issue with a national radio box that needed to be used that maybe in the past they've let Jason Light use. But there were 19 seats in the press box for Buccaneers personnel. And there were seats assigned to Bruce Arians and Jason Light. And that's how it works. When the Saints go to Tampa Bay, Mickey Loomis doesn't have a box. He's got a seat in the press box. Right. And guess what? He sits in it. And if that's not good enough for Bruce Arians, there is an ownership suite. Suite 403 for the Glazers. Oh, and they had three other suites the Buccaneers did for that game. I have a feeling that a guy who won a Super Bowl for the team two years ago could have found a space to park his caboose for three hours and watch the game. He wanted to be down on the sideline for this Yes, right. He wanted to be part of the effort to try to will the Buccaneers to something that they haven't done on his watch, either with him as the head coach or his guy, Todd Bowles, his defensive coordinator, and now the head coach, beat them in the regular season. And I think he knew exactly what he was doing, and I think that he instigated. I don't know. I hope there's some NFL films, footage, and maybe microphone evidence of whatever he said. But we saw who that that fight helped. I'm going to retract what I said earlier about if you did a secret poll to the Buccaneers, they would just want this guy to move on. I don't know. Maybe you want him to stick around. I, I, that's as long, where, as, he, as, long yeah. as he knows his role yeah. and he doesn't undermine Todd Bowles, that's the danger. He can undermine that's Todd That's the Bowles. biggest problem to me, yes. But as long as he knows his role, if he's like this, this ad hoc agitator, then it, it helped because – the Buccaneers responded after the fight, and the Saints didn't. I, I, I think, you know, yeah, I would be more along those lines, Mike. I mean, I don't know how Tom Brady feels about him or anything like that. There's been all those rumors, but just keep him out of my way, but, and I don't care. Right, but that's, it, I think that's Brady's attitude. Well, it may be, it might be, but the one thing I think this is where I love Bruce Arians. He's going to keep guys loose, right? Big game situations, he keeps them loose, and he gives them some edge. He does. He ain't afraid to get in the scrum. I mean, damn, we were out there in week one last year. He basically clotheslined his own player and threw him off the sideline when he got in a little tussle. You know, he's just – he's different that way. And I do think he gives a, a sideline some energy in life. But I think what you said there, lastly, was the most important thing. You just got to make sure you don't infringe onto the head coach's territory. I know they're very close, certainly. But you got to let the head coach be the head coach and let, you know, let let – his, um, you know, what am I talking about? Personality, you know, reflect through the football team. It's his vision now. And that's the only thing I would say be careful about. But, you know, I got no problem with him being there and, and being part of the team and being in practices and doing all that. I think there's a lot of positives, but it doesn't look good in situations like that when he's in, in the front and center and seems like he's still the head coach and he's getting involved in some situations with Marshawn Lattimore.
Nothing has been reported. Nothing has been announced on this, but I hope the NFL sent a clear message to the Buccaneers. Arian stays upstairs, and if he's going to be on the sideline, if he's going to be in the bench area, if he gets anywhere close to the white stripe, we're going to throw a flag. I, I hope that's what the NFL has communicated to the Buccaneers because it's, it's, it's just not – because every team could do that. They could all go get a, an agitator – and let him walk up and down the white stripe and just start crap and, you know, at the right time, at the right moment, get the team fired up. It's, there's a reason why every team doesn't have that. It's not how it works, as Dennis Allen said. By the way, Cole Beasley reportedly signing with the Buccaneers practice squad. I'm sure they'll have him ready to go in the event Evans loses his appeal. Different skill set, different kind of player, but slot receiver who I, I still I, – I was – I still think he, he can play well. I'd, I'd hate to think that he's been blackballed because of his very loud anti-vaccine statement from last year. The same reason it was wrong for Colin Kaepernick to be blackballed. It's wrong for him to be blackballed. Yeah, it's good to right. see him get an opportunity because he can still play. Yeah, he still can. He's. I mean, is he special? I, I don't think that. You know, is it the Cole Beasley we saw at the end of the Dallas era into the early years of Buffalo there? No. But I do think there's a role that he could fill, especially with this team. You know, I, you know, I, I think with, when you're Tom Brady, you know, he's got he has great faith and knowledge of the Julian Edelman, Wes Welker part of the offense and what that can do to make the rest of the things work, the passing game down the field. And that's where I think Cole Beasley can jump in the trust tree in a hurry. There is the fact that, you know, he came from the Brian Dayball offense. He's going to know some of those routes that Brady likes. They'll be able to communicate real easily. But I think he'll have a guy that's underneath that he can trust that he doesn't really have on the roster right now that he can go, oh, wait, when we clear out, clear out, and now I got the underneath slot receiver who's got to read the defense and you know has three different options to run the route, and I got to make sure he picks the right one. That's to me where I could see him you know, coming together with Tom Brady in, in a, in a you know, very quick manner. All right, we are way over. Whoa. We aren't we aren't yet panicking though. But who should be panicking through two weeks of the twenty twenty two regular season? We'll do the panic meter next on PFT Live, presented by Google Picks. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait but marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos no matter the battlefield marines adapt to win defeating every shifting threat protecting our nation's future the few the proud the marines when it comes to the operations you know that's something that we're talking about quite a bit you know there's a lot of things we got to make sure the communication is clear and concise I need to do better at making decisions faster and quicker and getting that information to the quarterback and being on the same page with him. So that's stuff that we're talking about uh, this morning all the way to this evening and making sure that it's it's, it's got to improve. The Broncos won on Sunday, but it sure didn't feel like it with the clock management issue, getting the play selected, getting it communicated, getting it called, getting to the point where for the first time, that I can ever remember outside of a basketball arena, the crowd was counting down the play clock. Yeah. I think partially to help and partially to mock. Yeah. This is not good. 
because nobody else does this. And here you are, two games into your coaching career, working for owners who didn't hire you, and you are failing at one of the most fundamental aspects of the job, especially when you're the head coach and the play caller. You pick the play, you communicate the play. And, you know, I remember Coach Dungy saying this years ago, some guys just can't do it. You've got the macro issues of being the head coach, the micro issue of calling the plays. If you can't do both at the same time, you find somebody else who can. And maybe that's what Nathaniel Hackett's going to have to do, Chris. Yeah, that you know, it, it, this goes back to you know what we talked about last week after the Monday night game. You know, it's unfortunate because now everybody's going to put everything he does under a microscope because of that late game decision to kick the 64-yard field goal. So now we're watching him closely to see what it, you know. How is he going to handle the rest of the game? And the fact that, yes, even in the game one, there was play call issues with the play clock, and then it continues to game two, you know, it just gets all accentuated by that decision to kick the field goal and take Russell Wilson off the field on fourth and five in a big moment. So, yeah, they're going to have to win football games, and he's going to have to have a few games of showing, wait, I'm on the ball here. We're not going down to two, three, one, right? and getting to that point on the clock, and he's managing the game the right way to, to silence the critics. So that's where it's, it's, it's going to take that. But, but, but the other thing, Mike, too, I, I don't know. I just – and, again, this is – I have no knowledge. I'm just reading into what he said. The fact that he's talking about with Russell Wilson in the process, too, that, that, that to me, I was like, well, what, why? What is it? Russell should just be taking the play and telling it to the huddle. Is there something there? I, I don't know. You know, again, is, is Russell taking a little too long, spitting out the play, giving a few too many, hey, remember to do this, remember to do that before he calls the play, too? It just, I just thought that was kind of curious uh, when, he, when he brought that aspect of the whole conversation up. There, there's a, there's a, a little bit of this that I think splashes onto Russell. I think of how confused he looked last Monday night. I, I, he has a history. They have a history in Seattle of taking the ball and the clock down to 2-3-1 his whole time, too. So that's the other thing, too. Now, I think Pete Carroll, in a lot of ways, wanted to play that way. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe there is something to Russell Wilson, too, who just takes his time a little bit getting in and out of the huddle and getting to the line of scrimmage and getting everything in order. I don't know how clocks work in your house, but in my house they go 3-2-1, not 2-3-1. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Is that maybe what I got just some said? special engineering. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Damn. I think you did it twice, too. I think I missed it the first time. Because when you said it the second time, I was like, that sounds familiar and it sounds wrong. <laughs> We're doing panic meter here. I haven't gotten to the point where we set up this segment. On a scale of 1 to 10, even though the Broncos are 1-1, one and one, we'll see them Sunday night, 49ers at the Broncos. Kyle Shanahan coming in with a chip on his shoulder about what they did to his dad. You made that point a week or so ago, and it makes for a more compelling game. Where are you 1 to 10 on the Broncos at 1-1? One and one? I, I'm, I'm just going to go a 5. I'm not much more than that. I mean, I'm not going to judge it too harshly here early on. Like you said, they are one and one. And, you know, if it isn't for the running back holding the ball twice on the one yard line against Seattle, they're probably two and oh. So there's still things to be positive about here. Um, I'm, I, but, but, you know, I'm teetering on the edge of wait, if we see this another week and another week, it could, this could be an eight or nine in a hurry. But for right now, I'm, I'm going to go down the middle of the road with a five right now. I'll say five for the team, but eight for the coach. Okay. I think that he is slipping into quicksand, and he had better get this figured out. And, look, if if he can't figure out what play to call 
and get it communicated in 40 seconds, how's he going to fix the bigger picture issues from one week to the next? Because it's moving just as quickly. You've got a lot of things to do. I just think that what we're seeing here is, and again, some coordinators, when they become coaches, they can't master everything they're supposed to do. It's overwhelming. It's the Peter Principle. The, the concept from the late 60s where we all rise to the level of our own incompetence. We keep getting promoted. Hey, you did a good job. You're promoted. You're promoted. Then you get promoted into a job that you can't do. And it's quite possible Nathaniel Hackett has been promoted into a job that he just can't do. Like North Turner, like Wade Phillips, all due respect. Others who were great coordinators, not great coaches. Zach Taylor was a great coach last year when they went to the Super Bowl. Now they're 0-2. What is your panic meter for the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals after their first two losses, Chris? I, I'm going higher with this one. It's an eight, and uh, it might actually I'm, it might be a nine right now. I know. Hey, one it's week one. We have some pr- issues against protecting T.J. Watt and the Steelers, and we didn't play in the preseason. Okay, that's one thing. But then to go into week two and really have none of it corrected, and really the pass protection was worse against a defensive line that I don't think is as talented as, as the one in Pittsburgh. I mean, that's what's concerning. And then, to me, just looks like, you know, resting on last year's laurels as an offense. Like, hey, all the plays we ran last year and all that, it just will work. No, people have studied you. They got a, a full season of this. Things got to change. You know, to me, they don't do enough on offense to scare you. You've heard me say, I think, a little last week, there's no motions. There's no crazy you know, formations or sets there on that side of the ball. And then the defense not looking all that dominant in this game either against the Cowboys. Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little panicked about what I'm seeing in Cincinnati. Poor Joe Burrow. I mean, to be under pressure like that is, is ridiculous. Well, constantly getting hit, the offensive line not nearly where it needs to be despite all the changes that were made. Right. And they have a return to the Jets. Remember last year it was the put Mike White in the Hall of Fame game. Uh, they go back to the Jets this week. Then they have the Dolphins on Thursday night, short week. Then they're at the Ravens on Sunday night. Ooh. We're going to get to see a lot of the Bengals up close and personal in the coming weeks. We'll see where they are. Let's go to the Colts now. Even though they got a tie in week one, they were down 20-3. to three. These are the two teams in the division they should be running roughshod over, the Texans and the Jaguars. They can't win in Jacksonville. They looked horrible, horrible. on. Look, I'm doing my power rankings now for week three. Not that they mean anything to anyone except me, and they barely mean anything to me. But the Colts the Colts are slipping. The Colts may free fall. The Colts may go all the way to the bottom by the time it's done because they're winless and they were hapless against the Jaguars on Sunday, Chris. What's your panic meter for them? It's uh, eight and a half, right? nine again. I might put that and make it a nine. I, I, there's real issues here for, for sure. You know, what happened to the wall? They built a wall. Yeah, the what wall. What happened to that wall? Hey, I, there's two things I want to say here. First off, I think Jacksonville is a very talented football team. I do. And I think they're going to be in the mix here a little bit in the AFC. I do. I, I look and I watched this game on film yesterday. But this was a this was an ass whooping. I mean, it, it just to epic proportions. And that's what's concerning. You know, hey, you lose a tough football game and blah, blah, blah. But, like, to your point, it was obliteration. It was, like, after the first drive where they moved the ball and got, like, two first downs and then he threw the interception, it was like, whoa, they can't do Jack Diddley squat here from here on out. 
that's where it's concerning. Like you said, the offensive line, which is supposed to be dominant, was not, you know, was pretty good in the run game against the Texans, but, you know, Matt Ryan got hit a lot. And this last game, they were completely dominated. And Matt Ryan, his arm looks weak in, in, in the inability to stretch the ball and push the ball down the field, a la like Phillip Rivers two years ago. Those things concern me a little bit. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't know about the Colts. I don't know either, Mike. I'm, 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 like I said, I'm at an eight or nine with the panic with them. Tom Brady has ruined our expectations for all aging quarterbacks. We think they're all going to keep their fastball into their 40s no. and maybe 50s. And some of these guys just are going to reach a point where they can't do it anymore. And I hope Matt Ryan's not there because I enjoy watching him play. And he's been a great part of the NFL. But something is badly off for the Colts. And right. I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Let's take a break. We've got more PFT Live presented by Google Pixel coming up, including Chris's favorite segment of the week, Goats in a Bad Way. We'll be right back. anyone like how does anyone look at that and say man that looks great how, how can you look at that horrendous pathetic awful like what is the worst color we can make our jersey how about this that's the winner that's the absolute worst color we can make it let's make it that color <laughs> well done you I don't still, like those uniforms uh, I, well, after they beat the Broncos last Monday night, I like them a little bit better. It's just a horrendous color. It's like that green highlighter, the one that you had that you never used. Why would you – like, I used the yellow highlighter. Why do I have this green one? That's that color. That's the color that action green is what they call it. All right, let's get down to the goats in a bad way for week two. No trivia today. I'm sorry for the folks out there who really look forward to that aspect of the show. I don't know why, but, Chris, you get the first pick. It's hard for me not to go to Baltimore and – I'm going to go with the defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, right? Uh, it just, again, and I, I know there's probably a lot of blame to go around here, but he's the defensive head coach or the, de you know, the defensive coordinator in charge of that. And, yes, they blew a lead and blew it you know, egregiously to the point where you go, hey, they, it might have been fine if they let up some touchdowns. That's fine, but not that quickly. I mean, really, if they don't happen that quickly, it's still going to be almost impossible for the Dolphins to come back in the football game. But the fact that it's, you know, two plays, three plays, boom, you know, seven plays in three minutes, it, it's just they, they fell apart. And obviously we're asking some younger players or new people that are part of their defense and Marcus Williams and Hamilton and then 22, the rookie Williams there, you know, just maybe it was too much to ask of them to all these disguises and these aggressive defenses. So I'll go there to start off the goats in a bad way draft. And that was on my list, Mike McDonald, the first-year defensive coordinator of the Ravens. And I have to say this, because it happened against the Dolphins and head coach Mike McDaniel against Mike McDonald, it's McDaniels, not McDonald's. These rhymes are Daryl's. The burgers are Ronald's. I just have to say that <laughs> before we move on to the next one. All right. Uh, I have to go with sneaky – well, let me just start with Kirk Cousins. I'll save I'll – save I mean, it's primetime Kirk, 2-10 and 10 on Monday night. Nothing sneaky about this. We all saw it. That's the problem. When we all see it, he doesn't perform at the level that he does at 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday when we're watching eight games. Hey, Kirk Cousins having a pretty good game. Hey, Kirk's having a good game. Hey, let's watch Kirk on Monday Night Football. Oh, Kirk's not very good. 
Three picks last night, and I know there were a lot of factors that go into it, but at the end of the day, it felt like same old Kirk Cousins, career record of 60-60-2. When you consider what he's making for what he is giving by way of success, you know, yeah, it was Mike Zimmer, but there's still some of it that's it's, it's a little bit of Kirk, and this is the guy he's always been. At some point, you're just the guy who you're ever going to be. It's never going to get better. It's never going to get worse. You just are who you are, and three picks last night. Kirk, you're my first pick. Yeah, I, I I understand it. I know. Yeah, I get it. There's a lot of issues there, I think, with the football team. But, you know, to your point, I know what you're saying. They're paying them a lot of money to kind of make that play, do something to kind of get the energy changed. And that didn't seem to ever happen last night. So uh, it's an issue. And, man, whew, being the quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings on a night after you lost, you don't want to deal with Florio that day. That's just not a good day to deal with you. Um where do I go here? You know, I want to go like a uh, the Browns, the Browns. Do I go Stefanski? Do I go Joe Woods? I'm going coaches here. It's kind of a double whammy hey, here. But, I was I was going to go Stefanski okay. last round. So I, I love Kevin Stefanski, yeah. coach of the year, but inexcusable. If you are a high end coach, you can't do what they did at the end of game on Sunday against the Jets. Yeah, you can't do it. That's right. I mean, let alone let you just you know, there's a coverage mix up. You know, we all thought maybe it was Denzel Ward, and I haven't again watched this game on film totally here, but I did watch the last few minutes just to figure out what happened there, and I want to see exactly what happened. But to let just somebody go free, Corey Davis, or an easy one play touchdown. But the real question is, yes, the touchdown that Nick Chubb ran to make it thirty to seventeen, right, Mike? That's where we're going here. The Jets had no timeout. It was let me just get this straight: first and ten. With 2.02 left. So, yes, the two-minute warning's going to stop the clock after this. All right? So, let's just say the play goes, and it's a minute and 58 seconds. All right? So, now they run the second down play. It's 40 seconds from there. Right? So, now you're at a 118. And then, okay, they run the third down play, and you're down to 38 seconds or so. Plus, you're going to now kick a field goal and still be up two scores. Right? But instead, they score the touchdown and give the opportunity to where – you know, Nick Chubb, if he goes down, which on the play, if you look at the touchdown, it looks like he has a moment of, wait, should I stop and go down? And then he scores. Um, it, gave the, it gave a window of opportunity for the Jets. It's coaching. And even it's though coaching. It's, yeah. it's coaching. Yeah. You hammer even that into slow. the guy's head. Right. It's critical. It's critical to let a guy who is wired to score a touchdown know when not to score, when to get down. It's being in command of the moment, communicating the message. You know, Peter King had Cade York, the rookie kicker, as one of his goats because he missed that extra point, making it 13 instead of 14. But I, we don't even get to that point if Stefanski makes sure his guys know, do not score here. We are going to milk the clock. And then if we kick a field goal, so be it. We're up two scores anyway. Second one for me, and then we've got to take a break. Gunnar Olszewski, the punt returner for the Steelers. Mm, yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't muff a punt. When you're talking about razor-thin margins for a Steelers team that has to find a way to win, you can't give the Patriots the ball when you still have a chance to try to win the game. That was unforgivable, and uh, who, who knows how the Steelers will react to that one. Maybe they'll have a new punt returner. You just can't do it. All right, let's take a break. Round three of Goats in a Bad Way. When PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, returns right after this. All right, goats in a bad way. Round three. We don't have a lot of time, Chris. You're up. All right. I got you know, for, for lack of better options here, and this being my least favorite draft that we do during the week, I'm going to go with Hunter Renfro. 
just the you know the big fumble and the big the big spot right there. Yeah, Cardinals kind of dominated the fourth quarter of that football game, but there they are, you know, and it's overtime and they got a chance to the Raiders to, to get in field goal position and they're very close and Hunter Renfrew gives up the ball. They pick it up, run a touchdown, game over. Huge moment in the football game and, and made the Raiders definitely 0-2. Speaking of that game, speaking of that moment, my last pick is the moron that hit Kyler Murray when Murray was celebrating with fans after the Cardinals won that game. Murray actually filed a police report. Good for him. They're investigating. They're going to try to find the guy. Murray went over to celebrate with fans, and somebody smacked him in the face. And tried to, like, hide, like, hit him and got behind somebody. Right, right. So good for Kyler Murray. Good for Kyler Murray. People think they pay the ticket. They can act like idiots. They can say what they want. They can throw what they want. They can hit who they want. Good that there's consequences for it. They find the person, and they prosecute them. The fullest I know. Level. I don't want them prosecuted. Like- I want them to have to go into the Cardinals locker room and then deal with the <laughs> offensive line, <laughs> and they can done. do whatever they want. We're done. BFT <laughs> Live, presented by Google Pixel. See you tomorrow. Have a great day. See ya. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.